Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on into another edition of the Wolverine podcast here on the Wolverine's YouTube channel. In all of the, the Wolverine's podcast feeds after the fact here on a Monday night, September 12th. J.J. McCarthy, your new starting quarterback at Michigan. Big uh, big news out of week two after a 56-10 to 10 win over Hawaii. We will talk about that. We will talk about the Big Ten race so far. We will discuss where Michigan fits into the national picture after two weeks. And, of course, uh, like we always do when we do these live shows, we will take your questions on the air. Uh, and if you want to move yourself to the front of the line, Something you can also do below is uh, select the Super Chat feature, which will, uh, you know, a couple, couple bucks. It's a shout out for us. Uh, every little bit helps put food in my dog's bowl for the month. Uh, maybe maybe buys us a hamburger or a beer on the road for these upcoming road games. But uh, we appreciate that. So if you want to uh, move yourself up to the front of the line uh, in terms of the chat and questions, we can also do that. So I, of course, am Anthony Broom. Joined by uh, Clayton Safey this week. Uh, normally on Monday nights, it'll be the two of us plus Chris Ballas. Chris is not with us tonight, but if you want to hear his thoughts of the game, he and Doug Skeen went live on Sunday evening, which is something they will do every week. So let's just hop right into it, Clayton. I mean, two weeks in the books now. Uh, people have heard me speak about this game with Ryan Van Bergen in the wee hours of the morning uh, on, I guess it would be technically Sunday morning since we ended after midnight on Saturday. Uh Again, it was another game that was a thorough, uh, thorough and decisive one. Uh, not there was no doubt left from the opening snap on what was going to happen in that game. But given that this is your first appearance on the air post Hawaii, your quick thoughts about just the game in general before we go into JJ McCarthy. Yeah, we'll run it on uh, some limited sleep after the delay in the night game. You know. Went to bed in the five o'clock hour of early Sunday morning, but we're rolling. We're attacking with, with as much enthusiasm as we can. Um, yeah, I mean, it was pretty much how you know what we expected. Maybe a little more of the bench in the second half than I thought, which is why they didn't get to that seventy-three mark where I had a map. Probably a little ambitious, but I mean, basically the story was JJ McCarthy and just how fantastic he was. I mean, he looked crisp again. Um, you know, we talked about last week, I'll maybe pump the brakes, you know, because it was 11 snaps that he had against Colorado State. Well, this time he basically had the entire first half to himself or at least a quarter and a half. Uh, and he was stellar. I mean, you look at the stats there, 11 for 12, 229 yards, three touchdowns. Um, and then just the way Michigan dominated right from the beginning. I mean, they forced a three and out on the first drive. And then the first play is a long run by Blake Corum. And then the next play is a 42-yard touchdown from J.J. McCarthy to a wide-open Roman Wilson. So it, it pretty much – you could tell from that point where you kind of – you know, I think we looked at each other up in the press box and we were like, okay, this thing is going to be pretty easy. It's pretty much over. And not that we expected anything less, but um, it was astounding, you know, just the difference between the two teams physically. Um, you know, and Michigan looked obviously really sharp again. Give them credit for doing that, coming off of a lightning delay, you know, with all the distractions that went on. So um, defense – I wrote after the game, it was a quiet but dominant performance. Uh, once again, it's 
kind of what we expected, but it, it was dominant. And through two weeks, uh, they haven't even allowed 500 total yards yet. That's that's really significant. Um, you know, I don't care who you play. So as as Anthony, you have said so many times over the last week or so, really since the season started. I mean, they're doing what they're supposed to do against these opponents, and uh, you know, it's been it's been a lot of positives. Yeah, and and last week to open the show, I know I uh, you know before you hopped on Clayton, I know I was solo for a bit. We did a whole opening segment on the quarterbacks. <laughs> Not going to do that again on the battle in general. We are moving forward with JJ McCarthy here, but just because uh, I saw a couple comments in the chat, uh, one from uh, M. Goboski who says if if this turns into a sympathy for Cade session, I'm out. We're not going to do that. Uh, there was one other one. What does that even mean, though? I mean, well, listen, this is where this is where it starts and ends for me. And I said this Saturday night. I said it in the column I wrote. The decision has been has been made. I mean, it's we're moving forward here. Michigan's moving forward. Uh, it's possible that guy you might need him at some point this this season. He's only a hit away from being right back in the game. Uh, the booze on Saturday sucked and and was unnecessary. Most reasonable fans no, don't need to hear that, but uh, yeah, that's that deserves to be called out. But other than that, this isn't a postmortem for him because he's still on the team and he will play a role just like everyone else will. He's a captain. I expect him to serve that duty out. So I just just quick thoughts on that before we do need to talk about this J.J. McCarthy thing because the decisions made ahead of Big Ten play, which is something I think we kind of were hoping we would see, but uh, it was decided on the field decisively so. Yeah. So, I mean, for Cade McNamara, yeah. I mean, it's not like a funeral for Cade McNamara. He could come back and win the job at some point this season. I'm not predicting that. Uh, In fact, I would predict the opposite, but there's a chance, as you said, there's a chance of injury. I mean, Cade got hurt at times last season uh, where he was out for, you know, a drive at Michigan state, things like that. So um, not hoping for that, not predicting it again, but it's a possibility. And that's why you want to have a good backup. And right now Michigan may have one of the better backups in the country. So that's, that's a huge thing for this team. As Jim Harbaugh said today, uh, they embrace having two really good quarterbacks. And I think the fan base should too. Um, And I think the fan base does really, I mean, there was probably, you know, I called it a select few or, you know, even 2000 people that you can make a little bit of noise if you have a few hundred, you know, in a stadium when it gets a little quieter. And I think that's kind of what we saw on Saturday night. Um, I don't want to harp on it too much because I feel like the people that were doing it probably regret it at this point. And, you know, it's one of those things when you're at a game and you just kind of do something. I mean, you go back to a few years ago when Kevin Durant got hurt and it was the Toronto fans, I think, right in the playoffs when, they were cheering and, you know, cause he fell down and then he, then he kind of grabbed his leg. I believe that was his Achilles injury. And those people got trashed for days and that's fine. I mean, they deserved it, but most of them probably were just wrapped up in the moment. So I don't want to harp too much on it. Uh, no. Kate McNamara, I do feel a little bit bad for him because it seems like this competition got to him a little bit, but at the same time, I mean, I'm happy for JJ McCarthy. He's a great kid. I've had nothing but great interactions with him and he's a hell of a player too. Um, so I'm excited to see what the JJ McCarthy era brings, but I don't know what that would mean. A, a Cade sympathy session. Um, I, I don't know what that, exactly means no offense to the commenter there no i mean this this is the fact of the matter is this is this is big time college athletics and we see it it seems like almost every year with a quarterback who is is accomplished and just get gets passed up by a guy who let's call a spade a spade i mean jj jj i almost call him jj mctalented jj mccarthy is the more is the more talented guy and we've long said that when he's ready to go 
And if he's as good as we think he can be, that it would probably be the obvious choice. And I think that it is obvious. So um, let's just transition into that. Uh, you know, from the last thought on Cade McNamara is that, again, all it takes is a hit and, and J.J. McCarthy to be in the concussion tent for even just a series. You're going to you might need a drive out of that guy at some point. And there is no more qualified QB two in the country if that is the case. So Michigan, again, I'll use the term one more time. Rich people problems like what Matt Weiss said this season about the wide receiver. So they're in a good spot, but Hey, it's a new era. Uh, a, a page has been turned, so to speak. JJ McCarthy is the new starting quarterback and this performance on Saturday, you know, I went back and really didn't sleep uh, after the game Saturday, more so just kind of fired the game replay back up as we were doing some of the, the post game writing. It, it had to be, you were looking for these quarterbacks to leave no doubt. And for what that week perform week one performance for Cade McNamara didn't check that box week two. Again, I know it's Hawaii, but JJ McCarthy's only misstep. I mean, when you go back and watch that film was there wasn't one. I mean, it was a drop from Ronnie bell, which you're not going to see a lot of those this year. He was on the money. Uh, there were times the Roman Wilson touchdown. He throws it pretty much on air. There wasn't a defender within 10 yards, but uh, you know, th- those things you can kind of chalk up to an opponent. But when you see him rope a, you know, a, a post route right on the money to Cornelius Johnson, 50, I think it was 56 yards down the field, then come back on the very next play and zip a touchdown into Ronnie Bell, his first touchdown in over a year. Those are just those are just talent things um, that I don't know. We haven't really seen that at the position in a while. I mean, you could you could argue that Joe Milton flashed it in that Minnesota game. And again, anything can happen in, in the vacuum of a game. But in terms of the little things, the talent on display, I think we saw just about everything we needed to see on Saturday night. Yeah, with the caveat that it was Hawaii um, and that you know we want to see more, I still think J.J. McCarthy is the best option. As you said, he won the job fair and square. Um, and he he's kind of showing all the things he can do. Uh, I still want to see him you know, do some of the, you know, things that are still more unproven in some of the bigger moments, which you can't have that until you're in those moments. Cade McNamara didn't have that experience until he was in those moments. So it's nothing against JJ McCarthy that he hasn't been there. I'm excited to see what he's going to do when he is in those spots against the Penn States, uh, the Michigan States, uh, you know, the Ohio States in Columbus in November, uh, if he's the starter for that game. So excited to see that. Um, and as somebody in the comments says, I mean, uh, I believe it's Richard. Didn't this play out perfectly? Cade won a Big Ten championship, led a team that beat Penn State uh, and slated Dragon in Ohio State, then gave way to an uber-talented quarterback, the type of quarterback programs win national titles with. I think it it did play out really well. We'll see how it goes the rest of the season. I'm not ready to you know put any sort of stamp on of finality on anything right now, but it's playing out really really well right now if jj mccarthy as jim harbaugh said today i believe it was in his interview with uh brad galley that there was an inflection point and he's talked about this at the end of camp where jj mccarthy in that last scrimmage and, and i believe he you know called it the last four practices of fall camp where he really late raised his level of play and then he goes in does what he does against colorado state does what he does on saturday night against hawaii and man, it feels like he's just ascending rapidly. And it makes sense in a way because he didn't have spring ball. He missed most of the summer, uh, you know, as he was kind of rehabbing from that shoulder injury. So now that he's healthy and now that he is, you know, continuing to get more reps and game experience, the sky is probably the limit. So I think it's playing out 
you know, kind of how you want uh, at this point, other than the fact that you wish Cade McNamara played well in those two games as well. Um, got to get his confidence back. And, you know, I trust that Michigan will, will do that. He's got to continue to be a captain. But uh, as far as just the JJ part of this, it, it couldn't be playing out much better because he couldn't look much better. And uh, again, tougher challenges ahead, but you do what you, you know, you do what you do against the opponents that you're playing. And that's exactly what he's done so far. I'm, I'm totally with you. I mean, this is the type of guy and I understand the hesitation from, I mean, Michigan fans, analysts to kind of crown JJ. I mean, he's going to have to, uh, I wrote in the column uh, after the game that this is, it's going to be like a dimmer switch for him. I would think that UConn provides a little more resistance than Hawaii. Hawaii is the, for what my money's worth, the worst FBS team I've ever seen play live in person. So yeah. this next game will be uh, a little bit more difficult, but probably not much. Uh, Maryland, it's a lower tier Big Ten team, but you start to see the athletes start to match up a little bit. That is a program that does recruit fairly well, uh, regardless of the fact that you know they've just kind of been middling in Big Ten play and. Mike Loxley hasn't really flipped the switch there yet, but you know, that could be a battle of three and O teams. Well, and at the very least in that game, he's going to be, you know, I'm guessing they're going to score a touchdown or two or maybe three. Um, and he's going to be answering drives. You know, he's going to have to come out, you know, maybe they get down seven, nothing, or, you know, maybe they're up 14 to seven and they need to extend the lead, you know, in two, at the very least, he's probably going to play the whole game or at least three quarters or three and a half, you know, maybe the last couple drives, depending on how things go, obviously so hard to predict a couple weeks out already, but at the very least, it's going to be competitive enough with the other team's offense, um, you know, where it's, it's more of a legit competition. So I agree with you on there on that. Yeah. yeah. So it gets a little difficult each week and then it'll, I mean, we assume he'll be the guy when they go to Iowa. And despite the fact that Iowa offensively is setting the sport back several decades, that's a defense that always plays physical and plays tough. And, and you don't know, you know, we don't know when, what time that game is going to be. It still could be a night game. And that's, that's a tough a place to play at night as any place in the big 10. So, uh, and Michigan will always have a target on their back, no matter what. I don't care if Iowa comes out of that or comes in that game at two and two or doesn't win a game before that. Like Michigan has a target on their back. Those teams played last year for a big 10 title. Um, But back to my point about people being hesitant to kind of crown JJ, you know, I get it because this is a fan base that at one point thought Brandon Peters was the next guy they thought. I mean, it goes further beyond the Jim Harbaugh era, but just the last couple guys that he's brought in thought that Brandon Peters would be the guy that didn't work out. Thought that Dylan McCaffrey would be a guy, a guy who, athletically I think is from a profile standpoint super similar in terms of the speed and running ability but certainly not like the arm talent and wasn't ranked nearly as high as JJ was I think at last check I think JJ was right on the fringe of five-star status when he signed obviously a a super super talented prospect a a guy that you know didn't turn over the ball a lot in high school Uh, he was for what my eyeballs thought saw I mean that was a five-star caliber player um but back to, you know, it's a fan base that saw McCaffrey is the next thing. Joe Milton is the next big thing. Although he couldn't, uh, you know, he couldn't even complete 45% of his passes in high school. JJ is the real deal. I mean, he's, he's a winner. He's a guy that, I mean, this is, you know, we talked earlier in the summer about Jim Harbaugh speaking about a gift from the football gods when he was discussing a freshman he, who he had that turns out to be Kenneth Grant. This is his quarterback from the football gods in terms of, you know, I don't know if that guy winds up at Michigan if he doesn't love 
Michigan because Michigan had missed out on a lot of guys like that. And it could be the first in the next line of, you know, I've seen some Jaden, some Jaden Davis questions in the chat and some of the other guys, um, Bryce Underwood, 2025, you know, when you have a when you're able to showcase that type again it's hawaii i get it but when you have that type of talent that's able to showcase what that could look like and that's the most exciting thing about all of it is that we talked about it after his performance last week that when he comes onto the field that's a guy who is automatically a run threat he's got the arm talent to beat you deep so it just if nothing else when he steps into the game you have options and and I'm excited to see how it develops. I mean, it seemed like there was a little more juice with the wide receivers this week, probably with the knowledge that they were going to get opportunities a little more down the field. But you know, the saying is a rising tide lifts all boats. And whether it, you know, whether Cade McNamara had a great camp and it was just JJ that came on at the end, um, Jim Harbaugh had a gut feeling and he gave him the chance to reward that gut feeling. And what we saw Saturday was again, exactly what we needed to see. So it's exciting because it is, if this works out the way it has the potential to, when you play, if you get to a point where you play a Georgia or an Alabama or in the college football playoff, you have a quarterback that has the potential to raise the level of everyone because of what he himself can do, as opposed to the conditions being perfect around him. And that's, that's exciting uh, because that guy hasn't been in this program in a while. And it's still early. We can't crown him for every for anything yet. But Michigan has a potential star here, and and it's exciting to see how that could develop moving forward. Yeah, and you talk about gift from the football gods and all that. I, I think Jim Harbaugh sees a lot of himself in JJ McCarthy and Cade McNamara, and I think that's that's exciting. And then he has more physical tools. No offense to Jim than than Jim did when he was a player. Uh, you know, I think he understands that as well, and. You know, I think he's excited that JJ has made these types of strides. I mean, it's hard not to be. I think everybody is, especially, um, you know, the offense and, and the potential for that. They love Cade McNamara, but, um, you know, JJ can do, a, you know, a few more things. Obviously, we saw it on display on Saturday night with the big arm. You know, he didn't have to run much, but he can. Uh, and that touchdown pass to Cornelius Johnson, where he stepped up in the pocket, you know, kind of started going towards the line of scrimmage to his left and then just fired a bullet to the, you know, left side of the end zone. Um, it's just stuff that not only, you know, I think Cade McNamara, you know, can do it and all that, but, you know, it's not every quarterback can do, um, you know, so JJ has a leg up on a lot of guys physically. And the fact that part of his story was having to beat out a guy that's so works so hard, uh, you know, has the mental aspect of the game down um, and learn from him, but also, you know, have to overcome, you know, beating him out. I think that's huge for JJ and hell, he may go on to be a really good NFL quarterback. I think he probably will. And, you know, part of his story is going to be, you know, having to overcome this at Michigan. So I think that's pretty cool too. And it's making him better for it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the offense, I, I can't wait to see, because as you said, for the first time under Jim Harbaugh and really for this program for a while, probably since Chad Henney, where you could, and they didn't open it up probably enough for him until his last game. Uh, but for the first time, it's kind of like you got everything at your disposal. I mean, you got the Matt Weiss quarterback run stuff. Um, you know, you have really good running backs in Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, and potentially C.J. Stokes with the way he's looking. But J.J. opens up the run game for, you know, for them because of, you know, he has to be accounted for in the read option game. You can run some RPOs. We saw a couple of those. 
on Saturday night. They they never show those against the weaker opponents, but we saw one or two, uh, one that I recall. And, you know, so the potential for this offense is now through the roof. The floor is, you know, still pretty high, not through the roof, but the potential, if everything works out and if J.J. continues to play at this high level, is is really, really high. Yeah. Before we move on real quick, I just want to address, like, what the difference between the two guys is. And, and I know there were people calling, you know, there was a very vocal minority of people calling for J.J. to, JJ to start last year. But when you look at, you know, kind of what Cade McNamara's legacy winds up being, in the role that he played, you know, he was the perfect quarterback at the perfect time. I mean, if that guy doesn't come in for Joe Milton in 2020, you probably lose to Rutgers. Uh, to be frank, Jim Harbaugh probably loses his job if you lose that football game. Uh, he comes in last year. You're a team that was built to control clock with Hassan Haskins and and get after the quarterback with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo. Um, the formula was... I'll say the formula was pretty, I don't want to say simple, nothing's easy, but um, it was fairly simple and executed at a very high level by everyone last year. Uh, I don't know that they have a running game that will be able to necessarily control clock this year. Um, the offensive line will ultimately determine if that's that's the case or not, but uh, already there's Donovan Edwards is a bit banged up. I don't, I still have questions about Blake Corm running between the tackles, so I mean, everything just inherently looks a little bit different. And to use the, I, I use the comparison in the column. I've seen some people use it in the in the comments. Cade McNamara was a, we'll call him a a reliable Ford Taurus that is going to get you where you need to go. It's not sexy. It's practical. The gas mileage is good. Uh, JJ McCarthy is a is a Shelby Mustang that you know it, it's it looks the part. It. It has a higher ceiling for performance, speed, all of those things. That's the most exciting thing, I think, is that the offense looked like it moved at a different level. And a lot of that was adjusted for the opponent. But when you go flip on the highlights from the first half of that game, it looks like everyone's playing at one and a half speed. And and that's, I mean, that's that's exciting for them to have moving forward. Well, so. they were playing a team that was moving at half speed, but I I agree with I agree with what <laughs> yeah. you said. No yeah. offense to Hawaii, of course. Well, full offense intended. Um, they got paid. So, um, all right. Well, real quick before we move into some of our other topics, we will get to your questions here soon. Again, uh, if you want to move yourself to the front of the line, feel free to utilize the donate function uh, below. Uh, get a super chat in there. We love our subscribers so. If you decide to do that, we will bump you to the front of the line. But I do want to talk about our friends over at Rogue Shop. Uh, I want to take a few moments to shout them out for being great sponsors of our site and of our podcast. It is a husband and wife outlet led by by our pals Richard and Charmaine, who are craft cannabis farmers specializing in small batch uh, sustainable plant medicine. I can't read the reads that I wrote myself. Uh, Richard uh, is, I mean, these are terrific people. Richard is a disabled combat veteran and his wife is a certified CBD consultant and life coach. We had the chance to hop on a video call with them a couple weeks ago when uh, our partnership came about and just tremendous people. And, and we're really excited about working with them moving forward. So uh, the Rogue Shop offers out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and they work to not only grow and manufacture, but also educate the population about THC-based medicines. If you're looking for products that can help diffuse stress, anxiety, soothe some of your chronic pains, insomnia, Rogue Shop's menus of products are perfect 
for you guys. And the best part about it is they are there is such a friendly touch to them as well in that they are willing to hop on a call, hop on a live chat on the site with you and give detailed feedback to any prospective customer, even if you're not buying from them, even if you just have questions, they are there to help you at the Rogue Shop. So they are at www.rogueshop.com. Rogue Shop sells Delta 8, Delta 9, CBD, and HHC products that are all lab direct without middlemen. Some of the psychoactive products they carry are gummies, moon rocks, pre-rolls, flour, dab, diamonds, lollipops, hard candies, tinctures, you name it. They have salves, lip balms, uh, bath soaks, soaps, CBD flowers, CBD hot cocoa, massage oils, pain creams. There is so much stuff there. It's, it's like imagine Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory, but for CBD and THC products, all of them which are handcrafted for consistently potent and perfect results. Rogue Shop grows their own cannabis, manufactures their own products with their own two hands, like their competitors who are replacing humans with machines. So uh, I know, Clayton, you just had your care package sent over from them. I had one sent. I have tried some of the stuff out. Um, I guess just speak to what they sent. And uh, also, yeah, the handwritten letter that you got from them. Yeah, so, well, first of all, start with, um, you know, Richard and Shar. Why, why is it important that, you know, they're such good people and, and obviously so friendly because they're going to write you a handwritten letter. I got mine right here, personalized, um, which is awesome. A great touch. And then also, as you mentioned on the website, you can live chat with them, ask your questions, figure out, you know, what the right product is for you. Um, they send the CBD gummies, great way to relax unwind at the end of a long day, football season, definitely need those right now. So that's huge. <laughs> and then the pain cream I got, as well it's kind of like a beeswax cream uh infused with cbd uh so any aches and pains stuff like that if you're sore um it's it's perfect um you know soothing and all that so uh love our love our partnership there and the personal touch is just like the it's a cherry on top yeah it's it's great because you we love i mean the, the best part about a lot of these partnerships that you have in this in this industry is the ability to kind of amplify a small business and and good people too. I mean, Richard is a um, as I said before, he's he's a combat veteran and and the work that he's doing now and, and just how kind and how responsive they've been to us about questions that we have uh, has been you know pretty refreshing. So, um, like I said before, each box, each care package will come with a personal handwritten letter sent with love from uh, Mr. and Mrs. Rogue to add that extra touch to their care packages. So a uh, rogue shop is licensed by the USDA for growing, and they are also licensed to manufacture in Wisconsin and Texas. All products are tested by a third party in Botanicor and C- ACS Labs. So don't wait any longer. Get in on the action and give our friends over at Rogue Shop a try today. That's www.rogueshop.com. Let's move forward now as we get further into this week's live show. I'll probably have another, I'd say, 20 to 30 minutes on the air here. You guys will really determine how long it goes. But I want to talk about just... Another another game this weekend where you're going to be, I mean, the last time I checked the line was at 47 points for this game against UConn, who has notoriously been one of the worst teams in the FBS over the last several years. It's just, I know that they, I know that Jim Harbaugh does not come up with the schedule. This is board manual. This is an athletic department thing. This year's schedule is kind of 
uh, symptomatic of a desire to play seven, uh, at least seven home games in a year. This year they'll play eight. Um, but hefty favorites again. And it begs the question, and this was something that players got asked about during the Monday press conference. I believe someone asked Jim Harbaugh about it. What can you actually take away from a non-conference slate like this? Especially when your starters are, you know, these are glorified preseason games right now. For most, for better or worse, the starters have really only played the first half of both of these games. So from your perspective, Clayton, and I'll give mine after after the fact. I mean, what do you learn? What can you learn about a team when you play? Essentially, I'll use the term again. You're essentially playing on air and playing traffic cones. <laughs> I love that. Well, first of all, I I do know who makes the schedule. It's Ward Manual, and it's funny. I, I'm glad Doug Karsh mentioned this on the broadcast on Saturday night. How, how does the schedule? You know, how does it come about? Well, uh, Colorado State had a you know has a Michigan alum as their Athletic director, Joe Parker. Hawaii has a Michigan alum as their athletic director. So those are some easy phone calls. You got the contacts in. And then uh, UConn, what's the connection there? Obviously, Ward Manuel worked there and was the athletic director there before coming back to Michigan to his alma mater. So um, I just thought that was interesting and, you know, probably a bit of a coincidence a little bit, but, you know, that it's three straight teams with those types of connections. But um, I think we can learn a decent amount about this team in terms of, you know, watching guys, individuals out there watching some of the freshmen that come in late. Uh, I like the way the effort and, you know, kind of the way the defense flies to the football, that seems to be something that will translate. Um, they've talked about, you know, a shocking level of effort. Uh, you know, it's not super shocking, but I mean, it's, it's high level stuff that you see the defense, Quarterbacks, I mean, it's kind of an extension of practice a little bit, but J.J. McCarthy has been fantastic. Uh, the offensive line, you know, it's it's not an Ohio State front or Penn State, you know, that type of thing, level of competition. But you're seeing actually them expose a couple flaws. You know, they've allowed some more pressure than I think they should have. So, you know, it's giving them some things to work on that maybe you wouldn't see in just normal practice. Um so, you know, you can learn a little bit. There's caveats to everything. Everything's put in this context, in this box of, well, it was just Hawaii. It was just Colorado State. And I think it's fair. Um, but at the same time, it is – it's still game, you know, action. And you look around the country. You look at a Notre Dame. You hate to see what happened to Notre Dame on Saturday afternoon. You hate to see what happened to Texas A&M, who has an, just a you – know, Do you hate to see it? No, I mean, it's a shame to see, but, um, you know, it's not that easy to go out and, and beat teams by 40 something. And I think Michigan will probably do that again on Saturday, as you said, the line, like what, 47. So, um, it's still impressive what they're doing. You don't always, you know, you know, you could have a scare or, you know, it could be a close game or you could lose, you know, and be upset. And these are a little ridiculous because these teams are so bad, but, um, it's still impressive when you win a game by 40 something and you had your backups in the entire second half. So um, it, it's tough to say you're going to be in, you know, an insane environment in Columbus. So, you know, it's, it's not, pre you know, preparing you for things like that, but you're able to get better. I think Michigan's going to be fresh at least going into the big 10 season and, you know, that can help. Um, but man, it, it's tough to say uh, exactly what we're learning. I think. Worth uh, worth mentioning that this is actually the weekend, uh, Saturday being 
September 17th. This was originally supposed to be a road game at UCLA that Michigan bought out of in, I believe it was October of 2019. So UCLA stinks too. You probably would have beat them by 40. So I guess what really is the difference there other than the travel and, and, and those type of things. But, you know, I used to, in a past life, I covered the, uh, the NFL and people used to ask, what can you learn about an NFL preseason game or learn from your starters out of a game like that? The only thing you can really learn is if it doesn't look good. Like if it looks bad against bad teams and that's, that's the takeaway. Um, The fact that in these first two matchups, it has been dominant. It has been border. I don't know how else to put it. Borderline insulting that these teams are, are sharing the field uh, with, with Michigan, I guess, but that's that's why that's why it's supposed to look dominant. I mean, they were dominant defensively against Colorado State. Sort of slept walk offensively through it, but still found their stride eventually. Um, Hawaii again is just a, a program in disarray and turmoil and all those types of things. This is actually UConn will be the third game in three weeks where Michigan plays a program with a first year head coach. I mean, Jim Mora has Jim Mora Jr. has been around a long time. Actually, used to coach at UCLA. Uh, so there's an interesting little connection there, but um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a, to this year, it's kind of just a victim of circumstance. Uh, you just get through it. I would be a little more worried about it. If the bulk of this group didn't produce in games at Wisconsin last year and Nebraska last year against Ohio state in the big 10 championship. I mean, the, these are, you lost some talent from last year, but a lot of these guys have kind of been through it now. So I don't think, you know, this to me, this isn't a hindrance of progress or development. In fact, I really think it probably adds more juice to practice each week because, you know, when you're going to get your time to shine, you have to make it um, just like the quarterbacks did. You have to stake your claim to your job and, and things like that. So Saturday, in terms of what to look for on Saturday, I, I, I really think I think you probably do see the starters play a little bit longer. Um you know, it's it's more or less you've moved forward with the quarterback situation. This is more or less kind of a dress rehearsal for Big Ten play now. So I would expect, you know, I wouldn't expect as much rotation. I mean, the, I mean, if they're up fifty six nothing at halftime, we'll be right back to where we were the last couple of weeks where guys rotate in. But as long as this game is, you know, I won't say in doubt, but I can see Jim Harbaugh letting guys play a little longer into the third quarter, so to speak, because. Not that these games don't matter. I mean, ask Texas A&M, ask Notre Dame, ask anyone who overlooks any team. But you know, next week is when next week is when that comma goes into your your record with your conference record attached to it, and you have to be sharp heading into that week. So uh, I do think that if I have to make an early prediction, and we'll do our full predictions in our show on Thursday, but I think this will probably be their most complete performance of the this non-conference slate yet. Yeah, and it's a fine line between, you know, playing the starters and getting them as many reps as you want them to, you know, to kind of get them going and get them in a rhythm before the Big Ten season and it just being kind of unnecessary because if somebody does get hurt, like, I mean, Donovan Edwards, I I saw some comments there about, you know, his status. I mean, it is unfortunate, not saying they shouldn't have had him in, exactly the opposite. He definitely should have gotten some work. He only had three carries and obviously looked really good, had the long reception as well. But, you know, it's one of those things where, let's say a Blake Corum were to go down in the third quarter when you're up 42 because you wanted to get him more reps, get him more reps on, on Tuesday when you can kind of control the environment a little bit more, get him more reps on a Wednesday. Um, 
it, it's a fine line. So it, it's interesting. I, again, I come back to that. Just I think they're going to be pretty fresh going into that Maryland game where they haven't taken a lot of hits. And then even when they're in week six, seven, eight, you know, it's really more like week four or five, you know, for some of these guys in terms of the wear and tear, especially with the team that plays so physical like Michigan does. Yeah, and, and we'll, we're going to take full questions here in a bit, but since you talked about Edwards, and I've seen a lot of questions in the chat about it, um, people asking about his injury status. I'm not I'm not 100% sure, Clay. I mean, is it was this an ankle? Do we know for sure what his injury is? But uh, whatever it is, Jim Harbaugh, we got our first working through something of the season, which usually means yeah. it's not considered super serious, whatever he's going through. Maybe, I mean, there's if he's dealing with anything, I don't think there's a reason to – um, talking about getting guys more reps. I mean, there's I don't think there's a reason to push it for this week. You maybe you get a guy like CJ Stokes some more reps because, like we've said before, your third running back's an injury away from getting a little more run. So, yeah, I, I don't. Jim Harbaugh does not seem overly concerned about it. I think they're still evaluating it. But if I were a betting man, and this is not based on intel, this is based on feel. If he's going through something, quote unquote, I would probably lean towards not seeing him this weekend. Yeah, and from the buzz from what we've heard is that it is, you know, an ankle and not something, obviously ankles better than like a knee. Uh, the concern is that I didn't see him at all in the second half, even on the sideline could have missed him, but I know some other people have, have reported the same. So that would be the concern. Uh, but as you said, Jim Harbaugh, you know, mums the word goes against kind of what he's been doing with Carson Barnhart, Ryan Hayes, Nikai Hill green saying, Oh yeah, they'll be back, you know, soft tissue. But as you get closer and closer to the Big Ten season, I think he wants to keep them guessing. And as you said, definitely hold him out this weekend. There's no point of playing him uh, if you're not fully 100%. Um, and then you're in the Big Ten season, and you want to keep Maryland guessing, just like they uh, they did last year against Maryland when Donovan was just coming off of an ankle and Blake you know, didn't play but was maybe available in an emergency situation. So you're right back into that kind of gamesmanship a little bit. So that's – you know, you got to read between a few lines there. Um, and even then there's some guesswork, but I don't think it's uh, anything terrible. Yeah. Uh, nothing to, like I said, maybe at worst it's a couple weeks, but usually going through something means we'll see what happens. Nothing is, is concrete. Usually Jim Harbaugh has been a little more transparent with the injury stuff, like Clayton said, but if it's something serious, he usually says it, or if it's a season ender, he says it because he doesn't want to keep answering questions about it. So uh, we'll see how that progresses throughout the week. But again, gut feeling, probably don't see him this week. Uh, let's move on to, again, uh, started. It's a bit of a chaotic weekend. Uh, there were a couple teams that have either been ranked above or around Michigan, like a Notre Dame, like Texas A&M, that lost this weekend. Um, people have had questions about Michigan going, oh, they're going to lose the pass rush. And, you know, who's do they have the quarterback? I mean, what are they going to do at quarterback? Michigan, to me, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know that they're, you know, if the cutoff is four, where we're still in a four team playoff, I don't know that there are more than three teams better than Michigan right now, at least the way that things look in the first couple of weeks of the season. I think Alabama looks a little bit mortal, but again, we don't know how good Texas is yet. Um, I think Alabama might have some some concerns, at least in the you know upfront on offense and uh, in a couple areas. But but Bryce Bryce Young's a baller, and and they'll be in the mix throughout the year. Georgia looks every bit the juggernaut they've been. Uh, Ohio State, I mean, yeah, technically they have a top five win on their schedule, but it was Notre Dame who you look through what they have coming up. 
I don't know if that's more than a three or four or five win team this season. So I guess that's all a long-winded rambling way of me saying, where do you think Michigan stands through two weeks in terms of the national picture? I mean, this, this to me looks like a team that can stay in the conversation throughout the year. Yeah, I think they were – I said it before the season. I thought they were a little more legit than a Notre Dame or a Texas A&M or a Utah um, because the AP had them, you know, ranked behind those teams coming in. And lo and behold, you know, not to toot my own horn, but, you know, those teams lost, and here we are. Now Michigan hasn't been challenged, so, you know, that's, that's a caveat there. Um, but I do think Michigan, with what they have returning, with, kind of, you know, the kind of talent they have – um, really this coaching staff too and what they proved last season you got to feel a little better about them than some of the teams with the question marks that ended up losing Marcus Freeman it was kind of baffling to me that they came in you know ranked higher than Michigan doesn't matter those are irrelevant but um, if you want to you know talk about some of those teams then obviously that plays a factor I agree with you Alabama I mean they're going to be a great team I mean they have you know tremendous talent they have the reigning heisman trophy winner but texas maybe was a little more impressive than we thought i thought the d line looked pretty good if they if quinn ewer stayed healthy they probably win that game or if they didn't settle for all those field goals they probably win that game um so we'll see there uh georgia looks you know the offense looks better than i thought it was going to be coming into the season it's still a ton of talent on defense so they're kind of right back up in that conversation i believe they're number one this week right um so they're, you know, everyone kind of thought, oh, well, they won, lost a ton. They're going to, you know, kind of go back down. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. And then Ohio State, I think they're going to figure things out. I mean, you know, and not that they've been bad at all, but, you know, just in terms of kind of struggling a little bit for part of that game against Notre Dame, who turned out to not be that good, um, you know, they'll be fine. So I think Michigan's right in that mix. As you said, I think probably fourth is right. And, Things are going to kind of shake, you know, shake out the way they shake out throughout the season. Seems right to me. And like I said, you want you you always caution against too getting high on your own product because Michigan, the Michigan team that beat Ohio State last year, didn't look like a team that would beat Ohio State week one, week two, week three. It's something that built over the season. And, and people who, you know, I see people in the chat saying Ohio State's overrated. And while Technically speaking, I think my eyeballs would agree with that, but we know how talented they are. That is something that will build, and and they could hit their stride once they hit Big Ten play. Um, It's going to be a battle, but as long as this Michigan team handles its business, which I feel like they – I mean, they just seem so unfazed. They were never phased by the quarterback stuff. They they just seem so focused and so – in the moment, uh, which is which is good for them. I think that they'll continue to take this week one week at a time and not look ahead. And you know, you've got your other rival that is knocking on the door in the top ten as well. So uh, Michigan State will play a tough game this weekend going out to Washington. So we'll see what happens. I think that Michigan stacks up favorably, and you know what? Despite two dominant games, I don't think they've played their best football yet. So a lot to be excited about there. Uh, we probably have. A little more than 10 minutes left here, uh, so I want to start taking some questions. So, uh, Producer Hutch, you can start queuing stuff up whenever uh, you feel like it. Uh, we will start with Phil Johnston, though, who asks, uh, Jaden Davis, visit and reaction. 2024 quarterback Jaden Davis uh, was in town over the weekend. Probably we'll have more on that for Wednesday's show when EJ does the recruiting update. But based on EJ's intel, based on the things that we've seen coming out of the visit, I mean, it feels 
again, nothing but a positive for that guy in terms of, you know, we don't know when he'll, if slash when he pulls the trigger or anything like that, but couldn't imagine a better atmosphere to bring a five-star or a borderline five-star passer in than a night game where I know there was the weather delay, but a night game where the crowd is amped up. You have a dual threat quarterback putting his arm talent on display. I mean, I think from what I've seen and, and what we know about it, I think that went about as well as it could have. And really, I think it was as we were on the air here, uh, a picture was going around Twitter of him and his family on the visit, all decked out in Michigan gear. So my uninformed opinion, not being EJ, who is locked into recruiting, I think that when it comes to a guy like Jaden Davis, in my opinion, it's probably more of a matter when, not if. It really does feel like that they might have something here in terms of a connection. But um, recruiting's crazy, especially the way that – NIL money is thrown around these days, but any thoughts on his recruitment, uh, Clayton? Yeah, just the fact that he keeps coming back to campus. He was on, you know, on his own dime too for the barbecue in the big house at the end of July. He says he'd come back in September, and he does for this Hawaii game. Gets to see J.J. McCarthy and the Michigan offense ball out. And shout out to the fans uh, for what they did um, coming back. You know, a lot of them, I even got a couple DMs on Twitter from random fans I've you know never met. Great to talk to you guys. They were asking, what's the update? I gave it to them. They're like, oh, yeah, we're sitting in our car here, um, you know, waiting. Just give me word. So, you know, we were tweeting out the updates and stuff like that. And everybody came back, uh, reported 110,000. I mean, it was probably close to that. Uh, so that was awesome to see. Um, and I think that helped out, you know, any recruit. There was a small group, but, you know, an important one is our EJ Holland wrote. So I'll, I'll obviously leave that to him, his live show, 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights. But um, I just feel like, you know, and you talk about NIL too, from everything that's reported on Davis is that he doesn't, He's not all that wrapped up into that. He cares more about NFL, uh, you know, playing in an NFL system, being coached by NFL coaches. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, Matt Weiss. And, you know, kind of having a strong run game also is important to him. Like the things he wants to win. Um, And that's kind of refreshing in this era too. So I'll say that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's a bit of a throwback in that regard. Um, I've seen a couple of people ask questions about this in the chat apparently and the tweet's not there anymore i wish we would have screenshotted it and had it available for the show but dante moore was watching on saturday night and and saw jj mccarthy and donovan edwards kind of cooking together on that one drive and you know nothing not, no, just something to file away uh he's still did he, did, he deleted that he did delete it because yeah. we actually did we do have a screenshot of it because we made a graphic of it on our instagram page at the wolverine on three and I did not delete that from there, but anyone that could, where am I going here? Uh, yeah, this is, this There's is what happens when you do it live. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He basically tweeted out. Yeah. Put throw oh. it up there. You got the, you got the single. Box. I got a glare with my ring light here, but. Oh, can you read that? JJ Donovan is a crazy duo. Yep. Yeah. And, but that's not there anymore, apparently. So, um, he probably didn't love that we tweeted that graphic at him, but I mean, it's part probably of probably the- not. Um, yeah, <laughs> but if nothing else, he's watching, and that's not. I mean, you guys can take Dante more questions hey, over to EJ on Wednesday night. But- this too, though, think about this: deleting that tweet because you think people may think that you're looking around or thinking about looking around, as opposed to being comfortable with, you know, no, I, I'm just tweeting about a game I'm watching, local kids I know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Go, hmm. yeah, exactly. Make you go, hmm. 
That's all. But that's not us reporting anything. Just things that make you go, hmm, is all. So we'll see. I mean, you put a, you have a, you know, a former blue chip prospect playing quarterback like that, and that's what the offense looks like. It's going to draw some reactions. So uh, we'll go to the next question here uh, from Shadyville 03. I know it's early, but does JJ break the single season touchdown record? Which, Clay, you're more of the historian than I am. Isn't that only 25? Um, well, I do have the Michigan football record book bookmarked. Uh, so let me look at that. .com stats and information department on it here real quick. I think it's 25. If it's 25, I don't think that's out of the question because he's already what? How does math work? Uh, an eighth of the way there? No. Yes. So that an eighth of the way would be 24. I think it's possible. If you're telling that he has, he's going to get, if he's, I'm assuming he stays healthy and he gets 10 more starts and you're asking me, will he throw 22 touchdown passes in 10 starts? Based on what I saw Saturday night, I think so. Yeah. I, I think he, it's crazy to say that. I think he will. I mean, the game has obviously changed. It is Elvis Gerback at 25 tied with Chad Henney. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at, he would be in the top 10 if he hit the 21 mark, he'd be tied with Gerback in another year, John Navarre, Devin Gardner. So he, he's going to be right up there. Um, and I don't know, screw it. I'd say he, he breaks it. All right. There. See, I'm going to be the stats department now. Cause now people are saying Jake Rudock had 27. No, he had 20. He had 20, 20 touchdowns, nine picks, uh, during that 2015 many people are saying he hit 27 though there are a few people in the chat that said that (laughs) okay so check check yourselves people before you bring before you bring that nonsense in here um all right let's go to the next question yes i think we're both uh, are we saying yes both of us on that one i'll say yes but don't hold me to it you know that's pretty that's pretty (laughs) pedestrian so at some point someone's gonna break that Um, what's ohio state's record like I mean, literally Did, uh, in the 40s or 30 or something. Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace, obviously. Didn't he have like 51 or something? That, I mean, it sounds right. So that's insane. Um, Joe Burrow had, I think, 59 at LSU that one year. <laughs> I mean, again, here I have numbers out, but that's crazy. That's, that's insane. Uh, Mackenzie Sipe asks, was it concerning that we only had one sack? Wasn't sure what our QB pressure numbers were. Uh, Clayton, you did the PFF stuff. I, I haven't seen, I haven't done too much digging on pressures yet, but um, sacks are not always indic- indicative of pressure success. I mean, nothing, nothing that Hawaii did worked, especially through the air. Uh, I think they popped a couple late, but uh, it seemed like when the starters were were in there, they were getting there. Um, I recall some. There were a couple tif- tipped passes at the line. I think it just, to me, yeah, it wasn't as. It didn't show up as much on the stat sheet, but I'm not concerned with one sack because I think that they have a rash of athletes that are going to continue to come at you in waves. So I'm not concerned about that. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah. So there was the two sacks to Cade and then the one the week before. Um, Here are the guys that allowed pressures. Tavier Dunlap, Connor Jones. And that was the one on Cade where I think Cade got up and started yelling at him, you know, not in a bad way. It's definitely, I think, I think the question was about defense. Oh, you're talking about defense. Okay. The defense, um, the defensive pressure. Okay. Well, I will say this. Sorry, that's my bad. So shifting to that side of the ball, Colorado State did allow nine sacks. Uh, 
this past weekend to whoever they played and slips my mind at this point. Um, you had seven sacks the week before, led the country, and then just one. That ball was coming out quick for Hawaii, so I wouldn't read a ton into it. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of one of those things where, like, you do have a lot of guys that have stepped up and look serviceable, and some of them look really good at times, again, against light competition. But do you have the guys that are going to be able to kind of carry you and really, you know, be opportune, pin their ears back, Um We'll see. I think there are a lot of guys that are capable of being those guys, but until we really see it, um, it's still going to be a question mark for me. I mean, you know, I said that coming into the year, just because guys have emerged, you know, and have become, oh, this guy's now in the two deep or a starter. It doesn't mean he's, you know, really good or elite when you look at the rest of the Big Ten or the country. And again, there are guys with that potential. I'm not saying they're not going to get there, but I think it's, a, you know, still a question mark. I wouldn't call it a concern, but yeah. something I want to see when they play better offensive lines. Yeah, I'm with you. Real quick on uh, another quick Google search. Joe Burrow, 60 touchdowns, six interceptions, 5,671 yards passing in that year. It'd it'd be, again, I know he's a former Ohio State guy. I don't want to ruffle ruffle feathers here, but it would be interesting to go back to the last, see how many Michigan quarterback seasons it takes to match that amount of passing yards and that amount of passing touchdowns. I I probably would take a minute, but uh, we're kind of up against it here. So let's take... Let's go with this one more question here from Welch's McGee, who asks, uh, is there any concern with the run game? Blake seems to have lost a step, but is still an extremely crucial weapon. Um, Not concerned with it. I mean, obviously, it's going to look different because you don't have Hassan Haskins, but um, if you want to argue that Corum looks a little bit slower, I guess fine. But uh, again, I I still don't know that they're, they're really playing it at full speed quite yet. I mean, it looks faster from a unit standpoint, but uh, he did put on 12 pounds. So maybe he's not quite the home run threat, but he's still, he's still hitting the hole hard and he still has that burst, has that acceleration. I'm not worried about it. Um, I think that things will even open up more for those guys. The longer that JJ is at quarterback, given the fact that he's a run threat himself. So not concerned about the run game at this point. Again, it's just a little too early for that. Plus, didn't they run for like – didn't they still run for like 200 yards on Saturday? Yeah, like 240 or something like that. So, no, I'm I'm not concerned about the run game. Uh, I actually don't think Blake has really lost much of a step, maybe a half a step or something like that. I mean, it's tough to tell in these games. I think he looks really fast to yeah. me. And as Doug Skeen said on, on uh, you know, the Sunday night podcast with Chris Ballas, go give it a listen, but – they're running about eight plays right now, it seems like, in the run game. And, you know, that might be, you know, give or take or whatever. But you're not seeing some of the more elaborate stuff they're going to do. You're seeing some, you know, pretty simple things. Jim Harbaugh, I think we've learned at this point in his, you know, Michigan career that they are keeping things pretty vanilla early on in some of these non-conference games. You see the numbers there for the people watching on YouTube. The, you know, Blake Corum, I thought, looked fast on Saturday night. Donovan Edwards, uh, the concern there is, you know, how good of a running back is he? He's a great athlete. He's a great football player. He's a really good receiver out of the backfield. Uh, Just want more reps out of him, which is why it's disappointing, you know, for one of the reasons why it's disappointing uh, for him that he got hurt. C.J. Stokes, I mean, what an emergence. What a, you know, we were talked all offseason about, well, they got a top two there, but there's quite a drop-off after Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. C.J. Stokes looks like a really, you know, a real running back to me. 
should have been a four star maybe i don't know we'll take it up with the guys who do the rankings but uh he's looked good to me so no i'm not really that concerned about the run game and i think the offensive line is only going to get better too with you know playing together they had hayes out the first game trente jones is still making his first couple starts so it's going to come along and yeah i think maybe we had too high of expectations for that group coming in for what they were going to do right away but by the end of the year i think they're going to be rolling yeah. Oh no. Blake Cora might only be running in the low four fours instead of in the four threes now. That's again, rich people problems. But all right. I think that's gonna do it for us. Uh Jim Harbaugh's radio show coming up next as we uh as we transition out of the live show here. Thank you to everyone for the questions, for listening along. Uh the two of us plus Chris Baus will be back Thursday for a pre recorded Yukon preview episode. Um John Bort will be live tomorrow at five thirty. EJ Wednesday at seven on the YouTube channel. Of course, all of the shows are available via replay on the Wolverines podcast feed. You get that on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. So again, uh, Clayton, thank you so much uh, for your time here on Monday night. Thank you to the the listeners, the viewers, to our producer Hutch, as always, that's going to do it for our Monday night edition. We appreciate you guys for listening and we will be back next week. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.